Patriots. You be proud of this game, and you can do a great deal for football today. Great deal for all the players and the league and everything else. Oh, I see him looking. I'm closing. <laughs> I was born in it. Molded by it. Yeah, so they, they got to wake up with their piss out. You're talking about Rasool. Hey, what up? It's Mercedes Lewis here, a.k.a. Big Dog. And you're listening to Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Go Pack Go. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Packers Podcast, the number one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with someone new, someone who is a tertiary character in the PMP Pod universe, last year's fact checker, not Kyle, not Andrew. Andrew's in Vegas currently. He will be back tomorrow, but I want to get an episode out early. Billy, welcome to the podcast this week. Yeah, thanks, Spencer. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, long-time listener, first-time <laughs> caller. Excited to be here and try and unpack the debacle that was in Detroit on Sunday afternoon. Yes, uh, Billy is a big Packer fan as well. Uh, you are also an owner. You're one of the few, I would say, that when talking Packers, I'm actually surprised with how much you know. You probably even know more than me, which, not to toot my own horn, but is a little surprising. But uh the other, other thing about you, I know you've been to a few games. What Packer games have you gone to? Because it is an abysmal list when you've told me before. Oh, God. So the very first Packer game that I went to was the year that Rodgers broke his collarbone the first time. <laughs> yeah. uh, went to the game with my cousin. Uh, she has not gone back to a game with me since. Mm-hmm. We saw one possession of Seneca Wallace, and then it was the Scott Tolzien show Yes, against Philadelphia. And we lost handily. Uh, I went to a game against Baltimore with, I believe, Brett Hundley at quarterback. We that got, was one of the worst Packer games I remember watching as well. We got shut out. It was ugly. <laughs> I went to a game in Arizona with Rogers uh, oh, around, cr- around Christmas one year. And we lost like 43 to 8 or something. So okay. not ideal. And then uh, last year you went to a game. What game did you go to last year, Billy? Last ga- last year I went to the game in Kansas City for the the Rodgers versus Mahomes show. And no, it it, it actually wasn't. So yes. I, if you don't want to see Rodgers play when you go to a game, just invite me to go along, and chances are you're not going to see him. <laughs> yeah. It really is like, and you had told me that before the Rodgers COVID thing last year, and like you bought, you had those tickets before the season even started, and you're like, yes, Mahomes versus Rodgers, and then, what is it, two, three years in a row where we think we're getting that matchup and it didn't happen? Exactly right, yep. Yeah, so you're quite snake-bitten, just like the Packers this year. But with that, we will talk about the game Packers, if anyone had forgot. Lost 9-15 to 15 in Detroit. Pretty damn shitty. Uh, we will have our normal episode. We'll have our Lynn Lake pick six, the six plays that shaped the game. We did watch the game at Lynn Lake. You were there too, uh, Billy. And well, the six plays that shaped the game, after that we'll break down the offense briefly, the defense briefly. A little bit different after that, we'll talk about Rodgers and LaFleur and Gutekunst and just how we feel about them going forward. The confidence level in all of them, we're at kind of reaching that uh, you know crossroads of the season right now. After that, we will have take news, some fun Twitter drama, as always, when the team is not playing well. We'll have Is Kyle an Idiot, some Packers trivia, and then we will, of course, preview 
the Cowboys game and probably talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy. But first, pick six. Pick six. Pick six. Pick six. Yeah! All right, first pick six play. You guys might notice a theme with all of these. A 0-0 game, four minutes left in the first quarter. First and goal, Aaron Rodgers has the ball, drops back, throws a, this is right after the Mercedes Lewis catch to get into the red zone. Rodgers throws a low ball, hits off a defender's helmet, and is quickly picked off after it floats up in the air, a run pass option that he elected to pass for. So, you know, at first watching it, I was like, why aren't these receivers trying to get the ball that's up in the air? But they were also run blocking at the same time, a couple of them, at least Christian Watson, who was closest in the area. But... You know, the first drive that got the game going for the Packers, and like many others, it ended in a red zone INT. Yeah, you know, Spencer, I go back and forth on this one. You know, watching live, I was I was thinking it was a terrible throw. It looked like he was open, looked mm-hmm. like we threw it behind. Mm-hmm. But then you think about it a little more. I mean, for the ball to bounce off of a dude's helmet like that, yes. you know, it's it's a round ball, as far mm-hmm. as I know, and the helmet <laughs> is round as well, right? Yes. Okay, you're staying with me. So if the ball is thrown just a little bit higher, it deflects off completely differently. Maybe it deflects off the crown of the helmet, goes out the back of the end zone. We live to play another day. It's another inch or two lower. It smacks the guy in the face, falls harmlessly to the turf. Like that ball floated in the air about as long as any deflected football I've ever seen in my time of watching football. Yeah, it was one of those watching live where it's like, fuck that, like, as soon as it happened, it was one of those where it's like, this is probably going to get intercepted. And there's been, this year more than the, than I can remember, there's been so many deflected balls at the line of scrimmage. I think that just shows you the hesitation that Rodgers has in his play, and he doesn't really feel confident in a lot of these throws, trying to make something happen. But yes, not very good, and it was just you know a small example of what was to come. Moving on, the next pick six play, Packers ball, first play of the second quarter. A fourth and goal going from right to left. You guys might remember this one. Rodgers takes the uh, snap, fakes the handoff, rolls to the right and stops. Reverses field and tries to throw it to a wide open David Bakhtiari. <laughs> I was looking at the snap counts and I was like, when did uh, when did uh, Royce Newman get in the game? And I was like, oh, yes, that's right when uh, <laughs> Bakhtiari came in to report eligible. But yes, low ball picked off by Detroit's first round pick. Not even close. I think this might have even been, you know, there's been a lot of bad plays this year. This might have been the worst throw of Rodgers' career, I think. But, uh, yeah, another lackluster play in the red zone. What are your thoughts on the play call itself? Yeah, we had this debate watching the game, and I was texting with uh, Hank and Kyle from, you know, the podcast last year. And they were irate. They were more pissed at the play call than the throw. It's one of those where when you call this that play and it doesn't work, you're, the coach is going to look like an idiot. But if if we complete, if Rodgers puts two more feet under that ball and Bakhtiari can get under it, we score. It changes the outlook of the game. I think it is one of those moments where it's like, haha, wow, David Bakhtiari scored. Fun little trick play. Get the offense going. But obviously, it kind of did the opposite. What did you think? You know, I th- looking back on it, I think this play is really a microcosm of the way the season has gone. Um, there's, there's a lot of those in fourth, this game. Fourth and goal, fourth and short, you know, mm-hmm. in the red zone. I mean, if this is a fourth and short, got to have it. We want to get some points here. 
and we dial up a throwback pass to our left tackle? Yeah. What does that say about the confidence level that we have in the playmakers and the rest of the offensive line that we can't punch it in from one yard out? Yeah, it's strange because, you know, I I don't hate the play call. And we talk about these guys getting more creative on offense. Once again, you know, if it works, it, you're a genius. If it doesn't, you look like an idiot. But... We've been so bad on fourth down this year, too, where it's like, well, you might as well try something. This didn't work out, but, I mean, God, if you give Rodgers that play 10 times, I'm, I think he's going to complete that pass. 10 of them. You know, this was the, I don't know, the tear in the universe where he threw a terrible, terrible ball. Well, and, and maybe maybe this is just one of those games, you know, we've had weird things happen in, in Detroit lately, right? There was that terrible. game a handful of years ago where Crosby missed five kicks or whatever it God, was. I forgot about that too. I mean, yeah. how, how many throws did Rodgers miss that he just has never missed and probably will never miss again? Well, that's what was so weird because Rodgers was bad. Probably... We'll get into it later, but probably the worst game, I would say, of his career with all things considered. You know, maybe you would say the Niners in the playoffs last year. But when you're going up historically, the worst pass defense of all time, got, you got to do better than nine points. So that mixed with his performance is dreadful. But uh, yeah, moving on. The next pick six play, 12 minutes left in the third. Score is eight nothings after the Lions touchdown. Facing a third and 11, Rodgers goes deep to Samari Ture, but... You know, Terry's got to step on him. Ball is just a little too short. Uh, the Lions defender gets a ball on it, swats it away, falls harmlessly to the ground, and the Packers end up punting. But another one of those plays where I think the last few years, especially myself, I was wondering if MBS is running the right route on these deep balls. But, man, Rodgers is consistently throwing short on these. It's happened a couple times with Romeo Dubs. And once again, in a game where we needed these plays to happen, he was you know, at least five yards short of the throw and, you know, demoralizing, I would say. Absolutely. I mean, watching it live, we, and we saw on the broadcast, of course, it's only following the ball. So mm -hmm. it's hard to understand how open a guy is. On that one, I could see a yard or two of daylight between Toure yeah. and the defender. So you're you're thinking, this is a touchdown. This is a throw that Rodgers doesn't miss. Yeah. And when you can see in live time on the game broadcast – how much Toure had to slow down to try and catch that ball really shows how far it was underthrown. Yeah, I don't get what it is. I don't know if he's, we talked about it with the tip balls at the line of scrimmage too, if he's trying to force these a little bit more and he's not putting as much air under some of these balls just to try to be a little bit more precise and force them in there, but not good. I like that Toure was getting some more targets in this game, but my God, it was just nightmare after nightmare. Uh, moving on, the fourth pick six play after Jair Alexander's interception. The Packers have the ball with nine minutes left in the third. Second and ten, Rodgers drops back in an empty uh, empty backfield. Throws it over the middle to one Robert Tunyon, but there are two defenders there. The one in front picks off the ball, runs it back a little bit, but Rodgers third, INT in the game. Uh, the I think they were on the 22 for that play too. So three picks. Within the 22-yard line, just abysmal, one after another. And we've known Rodgers to be the safe uh, guy who doesn't throw INTs, but this is about out of character as we've seen him it, ever. Agreed. I, I thought live that maybe it was thrown a little bit behind him. Looking at the replay, 
I think I understand why he threw it where he did. There was a safety over the top, looked like he had a chance to put a big hit on Tunyon, and you know, watching Rodgers, he likes to try and protect his receivers. Mm -hmm. If anything, I think this one might have been just his worst decision. of the day (laughs) it's fun that you're like this might have been his worst decision when it's like well you're which one do you want to go with there's really no bad option for how bad these throws were on sunday uh moving on the fifth pick six play third and three uh packers on the seven this was their second to last drive when they're down a score this is the one that ended up in the field goal that they made but facing a third and seven rogers throws the slant to sammy watkins it's a little behind, I would say, out of all of these plays. This is probably his best throw. He gave Sammy a chance, but as we've seen this year with Sammy Watkins, if you give him a chance to perform, he's not going to. Drops the ball. Could have been a better ball, but either way, third down forces the field goal attempt. And once again, you know, we catch that one, a better ball. We scored a touchdown there. Different game. That That's a throw that an NFL wide receiver needs to make. Yes. I mean, you're, you're getting paid to catch the ball, so... That's a that's a ball you got to catch. And my God, has there been a more disappointing Packers free agent signing in Sammy Watkins since God Joe Johnson? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will get that re- uh, reference. But I don't know. It's This year, it's been really tough for the free agent uh, signings, too, because I would almost argue Jerron Reed. I don't know if that's the same type of, you know, we built him up our own through training camp where he seemed to be making noise and... That's more a Jake Hansen type deal than a John Reed being good type deal. But Sammy Watkins, he had a similar, he signed a similar deal as Devin Funches did a year ago or two years ago, I guess. So we could have cut him before the season and Coach LaFleur talked him up a ton. Rogers, even three weeks ago, talked him up a bunch when he was coming back and he was excited about having him, Cobb, and uh, Lazard on the field. But my God, he is just, he is a waste of space on offense now, especially when we have the three rookies behind him, Dubs being hurt now, but he it's waste, wasted snaps at this point. And maybe what's the most disappointing thing with Watkins is I don't think anybody that's a rational Packers fan expected him to come in and replace Devontae and have 80 receptions for 1,200 yards and right. 10 touchdowns, right? I mean, if you had asked me at the beginning of the year what I expected out of Watkins, I would have said, get me 500 yards receiving, Four or five touchdowns. Like I, I would have felt that between him and what I expect out of Lazard and Cobb and Tunyon, throw the rookies in there, yeah. maybe a bigger role for Aaron Jones. That's that felt like what we needed out of Sammy Watkins, and he's maybe on pace for three hundred yards this year. Uh, if that, I don't know. It's yeah, it was tough because going into this year, no one knew what this wide receiver room really was. We were like, I think Alan Lazard is the one. After that, you have the veteran twos and threes and then whatever happens with the rookies. And now, you know, I think even like week five when he originally went on the IR, I was like, this is fine. I don't care about Sammy Watkins. But now with Cobb being hurt, with Lazard being banged up earlier, Dobbs being hurt, (laughs) Watson off and on, it's like he's just needed at this point because we don't have other bodies to fill those snaps. I guess... Maybe we'll see if they're going to make a roster move this week and call up Juwan Winfrey. I think we kind of have to just with Dobbs going on IR more than likely. But, man, it's just – it's not fun. I mean, the, the two catches he has the last two weeks are first downs at least, but I don't know, just wasted snaps at this point. Uh, moving on, the last pick six play. 
I think everyone could guess what this is. After three straight incompletions, after getting the ball back and driving into the red zone on the final possession, under a minute left, facing a fourth and ten. And once again, another play that encapsulates the season. After a timeout, Rodgers hurries up to the line, you know, snapping his fingers, trying to get the ball off. They barely do. Probably don't even with the actual play clock like they could have thrown a flag. would have been fine. Drops back, throws a uh, post or a corner route to Sammy Watkins. Sammy runs a slant and a anticlimactic ending to what we were hoping to see. I mean, the whole the whole second half, it's like, are we going to... It was so bad, but I'm like, are we going to end up winning this game and feeling terrible even though we've lost the last four? But bad ball, nothing close, no hope. Packers end up losing 9 to 15. This this play was just it was just doomed from the start. Like you said, we called a timeout. We come out there, we barely get the ball off. I don't understand how we how we have a timeout. We have the time to talk about it, figure out what we want to run, and then we still drain down the entire play clock yeah. getting up to the ball, getting lined up, getting it snapped. Was it on time or not? And then as we've seen with other receivers all year long, not just Sammy Watkins, but Rodgers just isn't on the same page. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, is this a play that Rodgers drew up in the dirt? <laughs> or is this a play where Watkins needs to read what the safety is doing? It's kind of an option route type thing. Is that actually built into the play? Is Rodgers telling him to do something different? There's just so many moving pieces. Whatever the case is, not everybody is on the same page. Yeah. And again, with these veteran guys, we were hoping these would be the ones that would be on the same page with Rodgers when we have these three rookies we're trying to get into the offense as well. And for that to happen multiple times in this game, just sad, demoralizing, but not good. Once again, Packers fall 9-15, to 15, jumping into the offense. Uh, offense, if you forgot, not a not a good game. Nine points is not very good for a football team, let alone one that is quarterbacked by Aaron Rodgers. Shaped up, you know, after last week, we had a pretty even split, 30-30 for passes and runs. This week, 43 pass attempts, 25 rushing attempts. Rodgers obviously had the three picks. We were 8 for 15 on third down, but 1 for 4 on fourth down. We are officially the worst team in the NFL on fourth down, converting just 20% of the time. And God, I feel like every one of them is like fourth and three, fourth and two. The one we converted was, well, the last play was fourth and 10, but we had the deep bomb to Ture, which I believe was a fourth and 10 on top of it. But yeah, offense not looking very good. Fourth in yards per game, but 27th in points per game. We are 11th in yards per carry, but 20th in, in the league in rushing attempts. Uh, we're averaging 36 attempts a game, which is 10th in the NFL. So not great. Uh, lots of problems on offense. Don't really know where to begin, but might as well hop back where we were. Aaron Rodgers, not a very good game. So Spencer, as we alluded to earlier, the, the team just isn't good on fourth on fourth down. They're not good in the red zone. Yep, they're I not mean, good. I, I went on a little bit of a deep dive Ooh. this afternoon. Okay. Want to want to prepare a little bit here for my first podcast, right? So, do you want to take a guess as to what our red zone touchdown percentage is this year? This year, this year, red zone touchdown percentage thirty-five. We are act- actually better than that. <laughs> yeah. We are fifty percent. That's tied okay. tied for twenty-third in the league. Okay. And for context, this surprised me actually. Last year we were we were only about fifty eight percent, which was smack dab in the middle, right at eighteen. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're appreciably 
worse. We're obviously worse, and I think uh, Devante is a big part of that. Yes. What what I found particularly damning, however, is the last three games we have a touchdown rate of just twenty seven percent, which is dead last in the NFL over yeah. that time. So whatever we were doing at the beginning of the year when we beat the Patriots, when we beat the Bucks, um, when we beat the Bears. That's not happening anymore. And I, I think we can kind of go back to that fourth down play call on the throwback to Bakhtiari. We yeah. just don't trust anybody to make a play and get us into the end zone. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, and especially this game too, not only did we not score touchdowns in the red zone, but we had no points. And under LaFleur, we've been, we've been solid. We've been pretty good on fourth down, especially early on. But now it's like we... St- we keep going for fourth down in these fourth and manageables, but we don't have the same offense we've had in years past. So instead of that excitement that you kind of get with the do and die plays, I'm holding my breath, especially seeing AJ Dillon and shotgun on, you know, fourth and short, but yeah, not, not very good. And maybe we need to change our mindset here a little bit. I know that fans want us to be aggressive and, and go for it on fourth and short in scoring position. And I'm, I'm right there with them, but if we're being ineffective and we're not getting what we need, and that's six points, yeah. maybe we need to play it a little bit more conservative, especially against Detroit. When de- the defense is keeping us in the game, it's not like we're down two scores the entire game and we're trying to get back into it. We were in, we were within one score that entire football game. Why not yeah. play it conservative, trust the defense, play some old school ground and pound football? Let the defense get you the ball back, play some field position, and rely on Mason Crosby, who's been pretty reliable this year. Yeah, it's it's tough because at the time, and we're saying it here now too, you know, it's like, uh, you know, when we're going for it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, once you get to the third and fourth quarter, it's like, shit, you know, if we would have just taken those field goals, we would have, you know, won the game. But what are you going to do? Uh, moving on, Aaron Rodgers, we'll go over him again briefly. Finished uh, 23 for 43, 291 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, was only sacked the one time. First time in his career, he threw two INTs in the red zone. Uh, He had those four straight incompletions to end the game pretty, pretty bad. Hated the two-point conversion call. I think we've we've got a little lost in the weeds on this game too, but like you said when we watch it, cutting the field in half where he essentially only had one guy he could throw to and Lazard wasn't even in the end zone. Not very good, and I will say this, one small positive for everyone who says Rodgers doesn't throw to rookies. He did throw that yellow ball to Ture on the fourth down play where he somehow came up with it, almost fumbled it. That was a, God, you know it's such a shitty season when that last drive went the way it did where A.J. Dillon had the fumble, Ture had the fumble, (laughs) and then the shitty four plays at the end, but... I don't know. I think we've talked enough about Rodgers, but my God, just the worst game that I could. In a season of terrible games, this was far and away his worst game in my eyes. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to Aaron Jones and the running backs. Aaron Jones finished with nine carries for 25 yards, a 2.8 average. Once again, like every freaking game this year, especially in the first half, he obviously got banged up, but... I don't know why he wasn't getting the ball more. I think in the first drive or two, he only touched it twice. Um, he did have two receptions as well, had that nice screen on third and long that made it fourth and manageable. But I say it every week, you know, we've maybe not every week, but so much of the last decade has been obviously Aaron Rodgers and 
you know, how we've mismanaged him not having a defense for him. But once again, Aaron Jones, I think, is the best Packers running back in the history of the franchise. And we really overlook it every single week because we have Aaron Rodgers on the squad. I think he's definitely in the conversation for for top five running back in team history. I mean, it, it almost feels like the the last days of McCarthy where he just criminally misused Aaron Jones, didn't give him the ball. It's weird how much this leading up to the Cowboys game this week, this season is mirroring McCarthy's last few seasons in Green Bay. But yeah, uh, moving on, A.J. Dillon again. Um, I mean, he was fine. He finished with 11 carries for 34 yards, a 3.1 average. But if you get rid of his one long run of nine, he only averaged the 2.5 yards. Again, I am sick of seeing A.J. Dillon in shotgun, especially in these short yardage situations. One of the times in the red zone, we handed off to him twice on the one or two yard line, and he got absolutely stuffed. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm fine with running it with him, but just do it under center. I get... Rogers' thumb might be banged up. They've mentioned that a bit, but I don't think his thumb got worse between now and Buffalo, and he was under center quite a bit in Buffalo. The frustrating thing, too, is I remember they ran at least one play out of the eye formation. They had DeGuara in there as a fullback, and they ran it with Dylan, and he picked up five or six yards. Mm-hmm. It was a nice pickup. So, And I, I think, I could be wrong, but I think that might have been the only time we've seen that formation in in that game against Detroit, and we don't go back to it. Yeah, I don't get it. At least DeGuara was getting more snaps and was in the backfield a little bit. But, God, even just the uh, the Aaron Jones pitch play the last three weeks, it had been like a guaranteed five yards. And I don't think we ran it until late in the second or early in the third, and it was a negative play. I don't think it got a gain. But, God, it's been so damn good the last few weeks, and then after that we didn't see it again. Again, it's if we're going to run it out of the shotgun, that's the play I'd like to see. Moving on to the receivers. God, I don't even know where to start here. I guess we'll start with Sammy Watkins. Five targets, one reception. Looks lost. Looks old. I don't think there's really much we need to add to that. Ellen Lazard finished as the number one receiver. Four receptions. Good. 87 yards. Good. One touchdown. Should have been two touchdowns, but 10 targets. Uh, I think we're seeing again, we were hoping at least this far into the season, one of these rookies would kind of take the reins of the offense and being the number one receiver, but we're seeing what it looks like when Alan Lazard is the number one guy. And he had a couple drops on third down this week too, which used to be really reliable when he was the two or three. And now it's like, what are we doing? Um, moving on, Sammy Ture. Sammy, I didn't pronounce that correctly. No, Samari. Samari Ture. There we go. Much better. Uh, finished with the two receptions, 34 yards, obviously the fourth down pickup. That was pretty cool. Um, I, I think he needs to get some more run. He's flashed the last two games against Buffalo and now against Detroit. Four targets in both of those games. Had the big touchdown against Buffalo. It, you can see that he's getting open deep, and yeah. that's something that we've lacked this year. That's kind of the role that MBS had for us the last couple of years. Haven't really had anybody be able to stretch the defense. We thought maybe Christian Watson could do that, especially mm. after the first play of the season. Yeah. Um, I think Toure needs to get some more run here, and especially with, with Dobbs now out for a couple of weeks. Cobb continues to be on the shelf. We haven't seen anything out of Watkins. Feels like Rodgers has a little bit of trust in him, and he's making some plays. I think he needs to see more snaps. Yeah, I think so, too. If nothing else, you know, what is the season going to be? Are we going to make a run here, or are we going to try to see who these guys are and develop them? Um, I'd like to see. I don't know how good he is at blocking. 
He seems to be the smallest receiver outside of Amari Rogers, so that could be part of the problem too. But like we talked about earlier, I would rather see Ture on the field than Sammy Watkins at this point. Uh, sticking with the rookies, obviously Romeo Dubs got hurt on that first catch he had. A nice little throw to pick up the first down to the 18 yards. It is a sprained ankle. He would be out uh, four to six weeks, they're saying. Sticking with that, Christian Watson had the two receptions, 24 yards. The one was a nice little pickup on third down two. And then, of course, he got banged up. And since we're talking about the injuries, we will run through all of them right here. Watson obviously left the game with a suspected concussion, but apparently that didn't happen. He just had the wind knocked out of him, which is a little weird. Uh, Aaron Jones left the game in the second half with a knee injury. He should be good to go this week. Dubs, like we said, out four to six weeks. Eric Stokes on defense. We're still waiting to hear on that. It sounds like he the swelling needs to go down before they know how bad his injury is, but that could potentially be season-ending. And the big news on the injury front, Rashawn Gary confirmed torn ACL out for the remainder of the year. We do still have another year of his rookie contract after picking up that fifth-year option, but not good. Um, we'll talk about the defense a little bit later, but... It's something I thought this week, too. It's in a win-now game, and I don't want to be that guy. I think this is kind of talk of a dumbass fan, but in a win-now game, the Packers elected to hold out Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones post-game said he thought he could go back in. He felt fine, and he said after sitting around, you know, his knee did hurt a little bit more. Christian Watson, we haven't heard from him, but... You should if if he's clear to go. I understand it's a little touchy with him, and he's the more you see him, the more excited you get. But in a win now game, it seems like these two guys could have gone out there, and who knows how the how the game ends if they are. I'm so glad that you brought this up, Spencer. <laughs> Ooh, um, that is something. Uh, the more that came out about that after the game, where Lafleur said that that it was no concussion, he passed the concussion protocol, which. How many guys pass the concussion protocol on the sideline during a game? Yeah. And for the team to admit that he passed it, but they continue to keep him out. And this is when Randall Cobb is already out. Toure had already gotten hurt at that point. Mm-hmm. You, you, We've already talked about what we have left at the wide receiver position outside of those three guys. Why wouldn't you put him back in the game? Yeah. You're, I mean, you're basically left with Watkins and Lazard and then Rodgers and Toure. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's tough. You know, talking earlier this week, too, it felt like at the end of the game, you know, it's like, come on, Rodgers, do some magic. But at the same time, he had weapons like he had in the 2015 playoffs when it was just Janice and Jared Aberderis late in that game. So, yeah, I don't know. I, It's tough. It's a touchy subject. But if nothing else, Aaron Jones, it's like, shit, why, right. why couldn't he have been out there? But whatever. Moving on, tight end, not too much to talk about here. You know, Tundian had a nice game as well. Three receptions, 29 yards. That seems to be what he does every single week. And Josiah DeGuara getting more and more involved. Had five receptions, a career high, and 41 yards. So nice to see that. If nothing else, getting him more involved means the run game should happen a little bit more too with, you know, him being a bigger guy playing in the backfield. But uh, other than that, the th- only other thing to talk about is the offensive line. They only gave up the one sack. Uh they blocked for one point or three point one four yards a carry. <sighs> Not sure what you do with David Bakhtari at this point. He pulled himself out of the game after the target he had. We saw the shots of him riding the bike on the sideline, but did come out for that final drive. 
And early in that game, too, uh, John Running got hurt. So the rookie, <laughs> the rookie phenom, Zach Tom, hopped in in the first half and played some guard, hopped in in the second half and played some left tackle. Pretty impressive. Once again, only with the one sack held up well enough. You see some replays where he's just getting bullied, but... He's doing his job enough, which is all you could ask for from him at this point. He, he's fighting and he's scrapping. I mean, he yeah. he doesn't have prototypical left tackle size. I don't think that's his position long term. Mm-hmm. But for him to have that capability to swing over and play left tackle when Bakhtiari is out against the number two pick in the draft, Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. and hold his own for the vast majority of the second half, I think that's pretty damn good. Yeah, we've had some questions with Goody and his drafting, uh, you know, all of them, the four or five that he's had. The one thing he's done is offensive linemen, and especially the flexibility with Elton and Zach Tom now. And if you want, you can throw in Royce Newman. Not that he's very good. That's more of a Don Barkley type guy, I'd say. But pretty impressive to see that. Other than that, David Bakhtiari, I mean, after last week or the week before where it's like, well, shit, are you going to be able to count on him going into the weekend? Now it's like we can't even count on him going in when he's, you know, suiting up and playing at the start of the game and holding himself out. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting offseason with a lot of these contracts, but especially with his. But uh, what is his contract situation? I know this year he counts more against the cap than Aaron Rodgers does. I think that's more of a contract finagling type deal, but it's similar next year where I believe it's like 18. He's hovering right around that 20 million. So. I know we'll have some cap relief, but God, I don't know. Not it, so much. Really, since he tore his ACL, every, we've had so much bad mojo with this team. It's it's sad. And now with the seasonal depression going on, too, I don't know what to do with my life. But with that, we will have a quick commercial break. And we are back with the defense. Uh, you know, kind of a almost prototypical Mike Pettin game where I want to get mad at Joe Barry, but I can't because the defense played pretty well. Obviously, they only gave up the uh, 15 points. The Lions were averaging 36 points at home, so pretty impressive to see that. Moving on with the players here. Jerry Alexander, pretty solid game. Had the pick when we needed it. And watching the replay, too, and everything, it's one of those where I'm like, God, I seeing him running with the ball, it's like, I feel like we should see this more often for how great of a player he is and shut down. It's like, we even when he gets the picks... He usually has to go out of bounds or is tackled right there. But to see him with the ball in his hands to him, like, fuck, are we, is he going to score? Because it's nice to have some excitement on defense, I guess. He He's dynamic with the ball in his hands. I mean, we saw it on the return there. And it feels like if he could have gotten a couple more blocks or something, I mean, maybe he takes it to the house. But I, I seem to remember coming out of Louisville a handful of years ago, there was talk about him returning punts. And I understand that he's extremely valuable yes. to our defense. Now but, he cannot. But good grief, can't you put him back there to fair catch it over Amari these days? <sighs> that, that's the argument. And I believe Jair did return a couple punts his rookie year. And there's been, I know Justice Mosqueda for uh, Acme Packing, he's brought it up in the past too where he wouldn't mind seeing him on offense. And apparently they have fucked around with that in the past during practice. So I don't He's He is dynamic. When you see him with the ball in his hands, it's like, oh, holy shit. It's kind of like, you know, Christian Watson earlier in the season where it's like he has that other gear. And then when you see Sammy Watkins, it's like, okay, now we're going back three gears and this is molasses running on the field. But yeah, I don't, I like seeing the long yellow sleeves he was running with too. I think MBS tried to do that uh, last year, the year before, and they 
find them or they wouldn't allow him to do that. But I kind of like that swag on the field. Not so much the late hit that he had and then put his ear or a hand to his ear to yeah, the crowd afterward. Not, that was not a great look there. Yeah, I don't know if he knew the flag happened or not, but it was like, what are what are you doing, man? Not not a good luck. Um, moving on to safety, Darnell Savage still not very good. Gave up the touchdown to the tight end late. Just once again, lot losing guys in the secondary. Never want to see that. And we were just talking about Jair's return there. Both Douglas lesser, but Darnell Savage full blown haha Clinton Dix even on a return where he is just trying to avoid contact. You you pointed it out to me before before the replay and yes, I I <laughs> called out live what Rasul was doing because it almost looked like he clipped heels with Jair trying to get out ahead of him yeah. and throw a block. So, credit to to Rasul for trying to actually do something productive, almost blew the whole thing up, but yeah. he was trying at least whereas uh Darnell Savage it looked like he was more just backpedaling and observing what Jair was doing like he didn't wasn't I, even trying to throw a block I don't get it's it's like he was blocking when you see Rodgers on a reverse or something where it's like okay I'm gonna pretend to block but I'm not actually gonna try to I'm uh, just going to set a pick I'm, I'm just gonna get in your way yes. and make you take an extra step around me yes exactly uh inside linebacker Quay uh you know didn't have a great day you see a lot of rape replays on the long runs and He's out of position, but when it did matter, that third and one, he did finally hit the right gap, blew up the play in the black in the backfield. Preston also Preston made that play. He absolutely walked back Penesul and just cut him out, blew the play up in the backfield. Uh, I don't I don't know if it was Swift or Williams on the run. I don't but remember either. E- even if Quay doesn't doesn't blow through the hole and make the play, I think it was dead in the water. Probably, but at least one of those where when two guys make a play with Preston and Quay, it's like, okay, cool. They lost three yards when if they make it back to the line of scrimmage, I'm not sure if they wouldn't have gone for it anyways. And especially this year, true. I think everyone hates seeing the opposing offense go for it on fourth down, but especially this year, I'm like, no, please just punt us the ball. And, and satisfying to see our defense get a stop like that in a situation when you know they're going to run it down our throats. Yeah, a, a unit that struggled all year to get stops. Yes. Um, sticking with inside linebacker, too. A little weird. Chris Barnes coming back. I also hated seeing the inside linebacker for Detroit with uh, the last name Barnes. That was a little not confusing at times. But I was like, wait, what's what's going on here? I haven't seen Chris Barnes in a while. Do we cut him and he's playing for the other team? But Isaiah McDuffie, he was the highest rated player on defense, according to Pro Football Focus. He started the game kind of weird. He started the game and then was replaced by Chris Barnes and then later he replaced Chris Barnes, which is odd when they, and I think Justice Biscayda talked about this too, when they practiced with uh, Chris or McDuffie all week and then pulled him that quickly. It's like, why are you wasting practice reps on a guy that you're going to pull after one series and replacing him with Chris Barnes, who is as rusty as you could be at this point? Um, moving on, outside linebacker, Rashawn Gary, like I said, is dead. Hopefully he will be back next year. Preston, okay game. And again, JJ and Ibarre, Got another play we could have talked about. That sack that he had. I, I don't remember if it was third down or first down, but... I think it was a third down. They got a free 15 yards out of it. You just, just you can't touch a helmet at you, all, apparently. You, you shake your head. I mean, Goff was already going to the ground, brushes yes. his hand on the helmet. It, if this play happened three weeks ago, it seemed like a couple of weeks ago, there was a run where every single week there was some... <laughs> 
god-awful, terrible roughing the passer penalty. And it was in the media, and everybody was all up in arms, and then it just kind of disappeared and went away. I don't know if it's because of the the news with the Washington football team (laughs) being up for sale or whatever the deal Uh was. There's more important news now, but... I'm with you. You just apparently can't touch helmets anymore. There's no gray area on any of these. And it's just frustrating how soft the league seems to have become on some of these penalties. With so much money that the league makes, and they've kind of had like, there's been talks of a sky judge, and sometimes they do buzz into New York for certain plays. How do you not have just someone watching the game, like us being idiots at the bar, that can be like, hey, this is really fucking stupid. Just let the football play happen. Because... That that didn't affect the outcome of the game. It didn't, you know. Jared Goff was fine. It, it was it was already a sack anyway. <sighs> Just dumb. I hate it. Uh, hopefully we get some improvement in the future, but we know that's not going to happen. Uh, defensive line. I don't know what to say. Kenny's had a bit of a slow start of November the last couple weeks. We haven't seen too much of him, but that defensive line and <sighs> very very under underwhelming. Dean Lowry. I've said it. I, I'll say it again. Seven years he's been on the Green Bay Packers. I can't remember a player who has been on the team that long that has had less of an impact. We wonder why our run defense is so bad. I know Dean had a decent year last year, but it's one of it. I feel like it's you know if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, and that's what Dean Lowry seems to be overall for this defense. My whole thing with Dean Lowry is you just never hear his name called on Sunday. Yeah. And I I'm, I understand that he's a defensive lineman in a 3-4 scheme. Like He's not going to be J.J. Watt or Aaron Donald out there. I get that. But it seems like the only play he makes is where the guy that's supposed to block him just completely whips <laughs> right. or two guys pull and leaves yeah. a wide-open alley for him to come in and make a play. Like That's literally the only play he makes is where it's just thrown into his lap and he has no other choice. Yes, I, I don't know... Again, I'm just a stupid football fan. I don't know what I'm what I'm watching. Couldn't agree more. But <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll, I at least know enough. Where, like on that Preston play, I know enough where I can recognize. Hey, that wasn't all Quay Walker. That was Preston yeah. Smith pushing that, his guy back. He beat his man. I don't know that I've ever said that's a great play by <sighs> Dean Lowry. He didn't. He didn't finish the play yeah. but he made the play you well, know you know what i'm saying we'll always have the play in tampa against Jameis, probably his rookie year or a sophomore year where he picked the ball off and ran it for a touchdown but yeah i don't get it and you could say a similar thing with jaron reed jaron reed's gonna fall in the lines of muhammad wilkerson latroy guyon of a one-year defensive lineman who didn't really make any impact we got kenny clark who's great great all-around player but then we have the you know pass defense ends in lowry and reed and they're just not guys. I know they haven't been great this year, but TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt, it's like we can't be worse. Might as well get some more right. snaps out of these Young guys. Young guys, both draft picks. You know how much Goody and Ted Thompson have loved their draft picks. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand why neither of them are getting any more playing time than they are when Reed and, and Lowry are just completely underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, we're still one of the worst you know, uh, rushing defenses in the NFL. Special teams briefly. Uh, Jair had the non-block. That's a whole thing. Uh, you know that kind of shaped the game as well with those two points, and then us having to go for two and all that. I still hate Amari on punt returns. Kind of you know fell through the cracks with so much other bullshit going on in this game. But again, he's on like the six seven yard line. Could have called a fair catch and caught it, but nope, lets it bounce, and then the line's down it on the one. It's just like these little fucking plays, and it's 
every other play this week, whether it's, you know, not blocking correctly or someone running the wrong, wrong route. There's so many mental mistakes, and more often than not, we see that on punt returns too. But, uh, yeah, that's all I had. Anything else from this game get off your chest? No, I think we've uh, pretty well exhausted that. Well, with that, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week, this year, but especially after losing to Detroit and falling to 3-6. and six. What the hell are the Green Bay Packers? Our confidence level all around is kind of dwindling, so I figured might as well, you know, about mid-season here, eight games left. Let's, you know, take a little check here on our confidence on the three main pillars of this franchise, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and Brian Gutenkunst. Starting off here, uh, Billy, Aaron Rodgers, eighth in yards, seventh in TDs, but he has the most picks he's had since 2016. Uh, he's 27th in in the league for QBR. Again, everyone knows, but uh, this is the first year of his three-year extension, $150 million. It's essentially a two-year deal after 2023. They can get out of it with a $8 million cap hit in 2024 and $16 million in 2025. But either way, you know, we can't cut him, can't really trade him. He, if he retires... It's an extra $9 million against the cap, and he'd lose out on $50 million himself. So he's probably going to be back next year, but maybe we do trade him to get something and just kind of eat that year for those picks. But, Billy, what are you, where are you at with Aaron Rodgers right now? What should we do with Aaron Rodgers? So, Spencer, we're recording this on, on Tuesday evening, so we've had about 48 hours here to kind of digest what we saw on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. True. The first 24 hours, I was pretty down. <laughs> I was pretty down on Rodgers, yeah. pretty down on the team as a whole. But today, you know, I've started to think a little bit more about it. And I think we can both recognize that that is potentially, and I don't think there's much discussion here, that is potentially the worst game that Aaron Rodgers has played as a professional as a starter. Yeah, yeah. So... Yes, it was against the 32nd-ranked Lions. That's also a team that has their back up against the wall, playing at home, divisional game. You know, they know that their jobs are on the line. They're still professionals at the yeah, end of the day. And we're still a team that every week they circle that matchup because you're playing the Green Bay Packers. 100%. We, we've seen it with, like, the Jets players wearing the cheese heads and shit after the game. It's like we're still a marquee game for yes. these guys. So what I'm getting at is, yes, Rodgers played very poorly, has Rodgers played up to his standards even before this game? No. But as you pointed out, he's still top 10 in yards. He's still top 10 in touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And yes, he now has his most interceptions since 2016. But how many other players have thrown less than 10 interceptions every year since 2016? Right. So, and I think Rodgers has made this comment in years past a down year for him is still a pretty damn good year for a lot of other quarterbacks. So to be honest with you, Rodgers is the least of my worries right now. Yeah, he played yeah. bad, but I i mean, has he had other games where he was just bad or was he just average? Yeah, because it's mostly average, you'd say. It is kind of the yes. guys around him and the mistakes they're making. Yes. Right. And I think, again, as as the season wears on, we got to get some of these receivers healthy. We got to get Cobb back. Hopefully, Dubs is able to come back for you know the stretch run the last yeah. couple of games. That's going to be tough, but get Watson some more reps. Uh, get Toure some more reps, and I think we're going to start to see that 
that gel, that connection gel between him and the receivers. So I'm still cautiously optimistic that Rodgers has good football ahead of him. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Unfortunately, we do agree on a lot of things when it pertains to the Green Bay Packers. But yeah, because it's like I believe in the hardware of Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know about the software of Aaron Rodgers right now. And we'll get into that with talking about Matt LaFleur too, but that's the whole conversation. And it's always been a thing since we've hired Matt is, you know, there's, there's Matt's offense and there's the offense, the way Aaron Rodgers runs it. He said it this off season, he said it during the season this year. And it's part of, you know, being on the same page with these rookies, but it's like, if we could just fucking update Rodgers software to the 2022 Matt LaFleur version, you know, 0.20 or whatever, you know, it's later in the season. I'd feel a lot better about this team, but it's tough to know what's Rodgers' fault, what's the offense's fault, but, you know, we haven't seen this much read option shit as we've seen this year, so much out of shotgun. It's hard to think that, you know, Rodgers physically, it's still there, but it doesn't seem like he wants to play the way he probably should in this offense and with the guys he has around him. His body language on Sunday was some of the absolute worst that I've ever seen out of any NFL player, let alone Aaron Rodgers. It was really bad, but I didn't hate it for one one reason being is it wasn't always directed at someone. Like There was a couple just barbaric yells to the sky where it's like, okay, well, at least he's mad at himself right now and he's not directing it at other people, but... Whatever. The body language police have been out all but, year. But I also don't know that he's ever been the kind of, and this isn't a criticism, I'm just stating facts. I don't think he's Ooh. the, don't think he's the kind of rah-rah guy over on the right. sideline that's over pumping everybody up. Yeah. So my concern is you've got these young receivers that see, you know, him making these mistakes and getting frustrated and emotional on the field. And does that start to creep into their sure. psyche a little bit? There was a clip too that they show that was on Twitter, but it you know didn't pop off like all the negative ones where he was he did come over and talk to all the receivers, huddle up, and show some stuff. So, whatever. Um, moving on, Matt Lafleur. Like I talked about, what is his offense? This is his first five game losing streak. Every time that he's had back to back losses, they've turned into uh, five game losing streaks. By the way, uh, you know just the way the numbers work. Once again, what is his offense? Does he make the correct coaching staff moves? I still wonder how much having Adam Stenovich as the OC has affected this team. You know, we talked a lot about the gold zone in the past, and last year it wasn't great, but Hackett isn't doing very great in Denver, but uh, Getsy's looking pretty solid in Chicago. He's turning it around. But if nothing else, it's like, you know, how much of this is what you're deciding? And once again, I mean, we've talked about him a lot this year, but this game didn't really matter. Joe Barry still seems to be a bad hire we'll see what the defense looks like with Gary being out I don't have the highest of hopes but overall Billy what do you think of the coaching staff how much time have you got yeah I know uh it it seems like during this five game losing streak that things have just kind of snowballed yeah you know we we were in we were in the games against the Giants we didn't execute and I don't think that we made the best second half adjustments against the Giants yep. uh, and against the Jets. But now the last few games, it seemed like the team is just starting to get more and more sloppy. Mm. You know, they're, they're penalties. We've, we've been a team that gets penalized 
fairly frequently most of the season. And mostly when you're, on special teams. When you're <laughs> losing, it just makes yeah. everything else worse, right? But now you're starting to see it two games in a row, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Quay got booted against the Bills. Yeah. Jair had one against Detroit. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to blame the the roughing the passer on JJ, but right. two games in a row we've had unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Give the other team an additional 15 yards extend the drive into our territory. And when you're a team like this that doesn't have the firepower on offense and you don't necessarily trust the defense, you can't be making mistakes like that. Yeah, it's it's tough. It really does feel like more than ever that this is a poorly coached football team. It is just the little things that are getting in the way. And God, I just, I don't know. We, a lot of things are mirroring, like I said earlier, getting back with Mike McCarthy you know, the biggest, the worst thing that McCarthy did in his time with the Green Bay Packers was sticking on with Dom Capers too long. And now we're seeing with Matt LaFleur where I don't know if he's very good at hiring guys. That seems like the middling positional coaches are fine. You know, hiring Stenovich in the first place was great. Hackett, Getze, which was kind of more of a Rodgers hire. But now we're seeing with moving up Stenovich and, I mean, Rich Bisacci is just fine. But Joe Barry... Not very good. It's, I don't know. I, I, I still really like Matt Lafleur, but the idea is creeping up again. Is this guy a coordinator more than he is a head coach? And I like Matt Lafleur still. I, I'm optimistic that he's gonna figure it out and and get it turned around. I mean, you don't win 39 games your first three years right. as an NFL head coach by accident. Right. Okay. Regardless of who your quarterback is. I, I think that some of these these staffing moves need to be questioned, and Stenovich was the one that popped out at me. I mean, yeah. this this dude's been in, been in Green Bay. This is his fourth year now, correct? Yeah, Two, he was just a quality control coach before that or assistant offensive He was an assistant coach, O-line yeah. coach for San Francisco for two years before this. So in six years, he's gone from assistant O-line coach with San Francisco who had no NFL experience at, mm-hmm. of any type and now he's the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. I, I understand wanting to promote from within, yes. but when you lose Hackett and Getze, you know, those are two big pieces, and I think that's part of it, but it feels like we might have tried to rush Stenovich into a position that he either isn't qualified for or isn't ready for. Yeah, I think so too, um, unfortunately. Just looking at it, and this is not knowing anything. You have Matt, the last few years, the thir- the 13 win seasons, we had Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett, and Luke Getze. Nathaniel Hackett was an offensive coordinator for the Jaguars for a while. He's called plays bef- in the past, but he's put together game plans. Luke Getze, he was a wide receiver coach before um, coming on with us, but he was the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State, Boston College, wherever he was. But once again, game plans on the offense. And now, and Adams then, and then, working with with Rogers, right? Yes. With the passing game, is he was the passing game coordinator? Yeah. Well, yes, yes. So he was. You know, those were the three main guys coming up with the game plans on offense. Now we lose both of them, and you have Adam Stenovich, who was the run game coordinator last year, but he's mostly been an offensive line coach, and now he's number two in charge for coming up with the game plans. Right. So, I we're seeing those those effects. Uh, moving on, last guy to talk about, and we've already gone a little long here. Brian Gutenkunst, it's very tough. There's been a lot of you know shit going on in the Packer fan base this week. 
we are as a franchise a little lost right now. You know, what is the plan? We re-signed Rodgers, but, you know, was this a little too late? Should we have just started the rebuild early? And that's what we're kind of seeing. He failed getting weapons around Rodgers going into this year. We could probably say that matter-of-factly with seeing how Sammy's played and how Watson has, you know, held up. Once again, should we have traded Aaron Rodgers? Other than that, his drafts have been suspect, and I think the thing that really worries me is we're pretty much locked in with Aaron Rodgers this year and next year, but we're up against the cap. We're already $30 million over the cap next year, so there's some cuts that are going to have to be made. We're not going to be able to be active in free agency, so we're going to have to improve through the draft. And although he's had some pretty good draft picks in Jair Alexander and Rashawn Gary, the only positions that I think Brian is good at drafting is offensive line and uh, and edge rushers. That's really at every other position you can find huge, huge mistakes, rather it being Jay Sternberger or moving up to take Darnell Savage. Or, I mean, I think Watson's going to be a good player, but two second round picks to take the guy, not looking very good right now. So overall, how are you feeling about Brian right now? Uh, I, so I 100% agree with you on the drafts. Mm-hmm. He's had some hits and it seems like his hits have been pretty good. He's had some hits in free agency too with Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, very, Adrian Amos. He's very good at evaluating professional talent, but not college talent. Yes. And I, I also think his roster management is, is more to blame here. Yeah. Um, we saw and and I know like last year just talking with you on a on a week week in week out basis unfortunately yes you you saw it coming that we only have Amari Rogers and Randall Cobb under contract for the 2022 NFL season now we knew that Lazard was an exclusive rights free agent so chances are he was going to come back yep but we knew Devontae was in the last year of his deal EQ was in the last year of his deal yeah. MBS was in the last year of his deal so we knew that we had to get wide receivers. We also knew that we were going to be up against the cap. So for him to let it go that long where he didn't spread out the contracts a little bit, where instead of it's three guys coming up with their contracts due at one time, it's only one or two. Yeah. But then to go into the draft, you spend a second-round pick on Christian Watson, which I think everybody agreed coming out is a high upside guy, but he was the least pro ready of the likely first round picks at wide receiver. And then you end up with Dubs and Toure. And I think the idea was that maybe the team becomes a little bit more run centric. And this goes back to LaFleur and what the offense actually is. Right. Give the, the young receivers some time to to gel with Rodgers. Maybe we have a, a little bit of a slow start, exactly like we've seen here, but you start to see some flashes and they put some stuff together. Now, it, the injuries haven't helped. Watson yeah. lost a ton of time during the offseason because of his surgery. Dub's now out for four to six weeks. Toure's just started to come up and has shown flashes, and I'm excited to see what he's able to bring. But it just seems like it's a perfect storm of roster mismanagement, missed draft picks, offensive turnover, and trying to figure out what type of team we're going to be. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, with anything, oh, it's like anything, you know, shout out Mike McCarthy, but it's no matter what you want to do with the 2020 Packers, it isn't just one thing. Everyone wants to point at 
the coaching or the team building or obviously Aaron Rodgers. The offensive this week. line, the defense, the special teams. But it's like, well, Rodgers isn't playing well because the receivers are in the wrong spot and now he's a little more flustered with the offensive line's early struggles. And then also the game plan isn't great because of this, but then also the game plan isn't great because we don't have the right players because Goody didn't get the right guys. And it's just, there's so it, many the, different The things. defense isn't good enough to keep us in every game when the offense isn't moving the ball and getting them yep. off the field. The special teams has miscues and, and yeah. you know, we're getting backed up because of that or turning the ball over and putting our defense in bad spots. It's, it, it's it not is, good. It is everything. So to wrap this up, Billy, how would you rank the three confidence level, one being the best between Rodgers, LaFleur, and Goody right now? So I think it's pretty obvious that my answer is going to be I'm most confident in Rodgers right now. Yeah. It, we've Which seen sucks. it before. <laughs> you know, the the season opener last year against the, the Saints in Jacksonville, we laid an egg. We were terrible. Yeah. And there were questions then about if Rodgers was washed up and what's wrong with the Packers. And we went out and won 13 of our next 16 games. Right. So I continue to have faith in Rodgers and – I understand that he's had some struggles with the receivers. I'm hoping that we can get some guys healthy, continue to gel that group. I'm hoping by the end of the season, is it going to be too late by that point? Maybe, but I'm hoping yeah. by the end of the season, we start to see some promise for next year. Yeah, this this next game is going to be big. You know, I keep trying to trick my brain into, you know, what is the must-win game? It's like, well, the Lions were, but it's like, well... We kind of assumed we're going to lose to the Cowboys or someone else later. So if we flip them, we're fine. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I would say I put Matt first and then Rogers second and then Goody third just because if nothing else, Matt can still say, you know, he hasn't been running his offense. So if he gets his quarterback, his offense, we can still see what happens there. And with everything else going on, I do think he's gotten the least amount of flack this week. But uh I, I would agree with you. I, I would put LaFleur at second. It just seems like some of the guys that he's gotten in the draft from Goody just mm -hmm. for whatever reason aren't it or aren't able to come in and contribute the way we expect them to. Going back to Devontae Wyatt, a guy that yeah. I don't even know has played. Did he play against Detroit? He did. He's been playing more and more snaps. He's pretty active when he's out there and shows a good motor. But yeah, it's I don't know. I'd like to see more of them. So, so to, to take a guy high like that on a defense that struggled to stop the run and he's not able to come in and mm -hmm. play significant snaps and have a role, that makes me question if that was the best pick. The pick yeah. of Watson, we knew we needed wide receivers. We go and get the least pro-ready one. So, yes, yes, I agree. Goody is is lowest on my list in terms of confidence. Yeah, and even like guys you don't think about, like A.J. Dillon, we all love him. He was a second-round pick. This team would probably have been better off if that pick was used on someone else and we just re-signed Jamal Williams for the cheap deal he got with Detroit. But, uh, yeah, with that, we will have take news. Football time. <laughs> Take news. All right, take news for the week with everything, you know, lit on fire. The Packers suck. We're three and six. Fire everybody. You know, new little fun storylines are popping up. And one of the things that popped up on Tuesday, Devondre Campbell and uh, Dallin, is it Dallin? Dallin Levitt, the reserve safety special teams player. Yep. yep. They're on Clubhouse Live. 
last night and they you know we see the clip online and you know i'll just play the clip here talking about one jordan love i mean i think jordan's a, a great player i think he's a great teammate um you know i'm not in the offensive meetings but i can't see the way that the ball comes out of his hands i can't see the way that he's decisive um playing against our defense i mean we I don't know about y'all, but I think we got a pretty good defense, and he does a really good job for us in practice. Gives us a real look, and um, it's pretty impressive. He's done some some pretty impressive things. He's a starting quarterback. Okay, yes. there we go. Yeah, no yeah. question. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks, and this a lot of starting quarterbacks. Wow, there we go. That's good stuff. There, how about that? Yeah. Okay, so we heard that clip there. First guy talking is Levitt. Second guy is Devondre Campbell. You know, we've been waiting to hear some murmurs of Jordan Love, but uh, Billy, what did you think of what we heard there? So when Levitt was talking at first there, my very first thought was, well, what else is he going to say? <laughs> right. It, that, that's his teammate. I mean, it would really be a much bigger story, in my opinion, if he came right out and said, Jordan Love is terrible. He can't fucking play in this league. Right. He doesn't have a chance. You know, so for for him to to build up his guy and and not cause any waves in the locker room, I get that and I appreciate it. So I don't know that I'm going to put a whole lot of stock into that. Yeah. But for Campbell then to go on and say he's a starting quarterback in this league and better than some of the starting quarterbacks, a lot of the starting quarterbacks. That's interesting to me because I don't think anybody that watched Jordan Love in the preseason came away thinking that he was better than a lot of starting quarterbacks in this mm -hmm. league. I'm trying to think of starting quarterbacks that I would take him over right now. Like, would, would Houston take him over Davis Mills? Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. he's potentially the worst starting quarterback in the league right now, and it, it's a toss-up. Yeah, it's there's a lot of things. So when I first saw the tweet... All I saw, it, the caption for it that went viral is just the eyeball emoji. I was like, oh, okay. So I click on it, listen to the whole video, hear what they're talking about, but I didn't hear the very beginning when they said Jordan. And then I hear Devondre Campbell saying he's a starting quarterback in the league. I thought that what I had missed at the beginning was them talking about Aaron Rodgers. Right. Now, if you listen to that clip and think that they're talking about Aaron Rodgers, it is bad. It is they're talking shit about Aaron Rodgers. And... You know, everything, not everything, but today on Twitter kind of popped off like, ugh, you know, we should really start love. We should start love. Dallin Levitt, do you know where Levitt went to college? I don't. So he went to a college called Utah State. Oh, that's interesting. He was teammates with Jordan Love in college. So to start this clip, it's his former college teammate. You see the... That, like, that, that's his guy. Yeah. So Tyler Dunn, the nice piece that he wrote about Jordan Love one or two years ago now, the main quotes he has in that article, teammates from Utah State, coach from Utah State. Again, we're getting him built up a little bit here from you know a former colleague from <laughs> Utah State. Colleague is definitely the right word. Devondre Campbell, yes, him saying he's a starter. And he butts in and does say it. So that's kind of nice. That's literally unsolicited. Literally the most positive thing I've heard someone say about Jordan Love with the Packers outside of Matt LaFleur saying he could start in this league. But once again, looking at what he says, he is literally saying he is 
you know, what what is a lot in your eyes? What is a lot of players? I, I would say at least 10. So he's better than Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, Davis Mills, Jimmy G, Jacoby Brissett, Derek Carr. It's fine. I think he could be a startable quarterback in this league too, but it's startable quarterbacks aren't good quarterbacks. It, right. And and what makes him startable is that he's young and he's a first round talent. Like Andy Dalton at this point, everybody knows what he is. Yeah. Nobody's expecting him to go out and lead you to the playoffs. So is he startable over Andy Dalton? Well, yeah, because Jordan Love is 25 years old and has way more upside. Andy Dalton is 32 and on his way out. But that doesn't mean that Jordan Love is better than Andy Dalton. Yes, and I don't know. The whole Jordan Love conversation is exhausting at times. I really hate it. I really wish Jordan Love was good. If if we knew Jordan Love was good you know, last year, I would have been fine with moving on from Aaron Rodgers. But again, going back with Brian Gutenkunst too, not only did he trade up for Jordan Love to put his flag in the sand and this is my guy, the most important pick, that he that he has or will ever have as a GM. He also picked wrong. When we're seeing Jalen Hurts right now, who is was on the board at the time, good chance he's gonna be the MVP this year. I know this is way too early about talking about that type of shit, but it's just another wrinkle in the lack of confidence I have with how this team is being run right now. But sticking along with the Jordan Love conversation here, something else that caught my eye. Once again, popping up on Twitter, this conversation with him. Saw this one Zach Jacobson who writes for CBS Sports or something, Blogger Boy. This is once again a Blogger Boy versus Packers beat. Type. So so doesn't mean he's connected with the team. He's not he's not in Green Bay. Yes, he's not in Green Bay. I believe he lives in California. He's not at practice, all that stuff. So he throws this tweet out, and I think this is a perfect encapsulation of Blogger Boys versus guys who are on the beat, guys who are at the press conferences, guys who are at the practices. Zach tweets, I don't know if Jordan Love is good. I don't know if he's bad either. (laughs) Neither do you. He needs a chance, a real chance, to prepare as a starter, consistently play, and build off of his performance on a week-to-week basis, not just scattered reps here and there in blowouts. It's like, okay, no, I'm not going to say anything about that. Bill Huber, who's covered the Packers since 2007, I believe, He's accredited by the NFL. He's at every practice. He's at every press conference. And he asks a lot of great questions in press conferences. Bill replies and says, who cares what you know? Who cares what I know after watching every pass he's thrown at his training camps and games? Question mark. Mostly just saying, like, I don't know shit either. The team knows. He goes live, parentheses, other than sacks, against the defense all season, just saying in pra- he's practicing every every week but he's not you know getting tackled they've got how many thousands of snaps meaning this team has watched jordan love play thousands of snaps and that's i could keep going but this has been a long episode that sums it up right there i don't understand why so many fans want to see jordan love when brian gutekunst the biggest jordan love fan in the world went up and got his guy decided when even after the niners game in the playoffs last year wasn't me, but a lot of fans are like, okay, let's move on. And if we decided to move on at that point, it was the perfect time. The cap was catching up with us. 
Rodgers didn't play very well in the playoffs. Yes, a two-time MVP. You you know you, you knew that Rodgers was going to want a massive payday too. Yes, and as you said, we have cap troubles. So yes, one hundred percent agree. Would have made sense to move on if Love was really the guy. That would have been the time to do it. But they elected not to do that. Now he's just hanging out there, and now it's all these guys on fucking Twitter who haven't been there day in and day out. I'm sorry, but. There was the stories too, just when we've heard so much about Aaron Rodgers and his practice habits and how serious he would take it back in the day and all that. I have heard very, very little about Jordan Love. There's there was a couple training camp practices where he looked really well. And again, are are we gonna give up on this season just to see Jordan Love? Do you you remember okay, what was the overall thoughts on Jordan Love this preseason? Uh, Billy, what what did you think most people were kind of saying about him? He, it was it was meh. He was fine. Like he he made some plays, made a couple of nice yeah. throws, but I don't remember any plays where I went, "Wow, that that's an NFL starting quarterback yeah. throw." He's he's showing flashes, you know, that I would expect to see from the next starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Yes, I agree. So he flashed at times. There, there are few and far between, but there was a couple throws where you go, oh, okay, I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see that last year or the year before, I guess. We didn't really see him the first COVID year. People were still very excited after seeing Jordan Love this past preseason. You know how he finished? He had the most interceptions this preseason and... You know, a lot of teams have a bunch of quarterbacks playing in the preseason, but a lot of starters don't play. He was the 82nd ranked quarterback in the preseason this year. We had the lights, likes of Scott Tolzien and Brett Hundley and uh, Graham Harrell. Yet yeah, Scott Tolzien, not so much. Who blew up the preseason. Cookie cutter defenses. Rodgers doesn't like playing in the preseason because he said there's no point. The defense isn't scheming anything up. And Jordan Love struggled in that. And now... Because you have your own doubts as a fan in Aaron Rodgers and you want to see for yourself what Jordan Love is, you want to throw away the season when we have already shown contractually that we are not going to buy into this guy? I don't get it with some of these fans. This is where I'm going to leave it. In the offseason, I think everybody felt that with Rodgers back, you know, this is kind of the the last dance, right, to, to steal from the, the Bulls dynasty documentary. This is the last dance. Rodgers is around for one more shot. You know, we knew that Adams was a big loss. Mm-hmm. I think we all felt that this was a potential Super Bowl roster. Not a lock by any means, but I think we saw how wide open the NFC is. The Bucks are down. The Rams are down. The Eagles are, are off to a good start. They haven't really impressed me. The Vikings are way out in front of this division. They haven't blown me away. They've won mm-hmm. their last six games by less than eight points. Mm-hmm. So they appear beatable. Everybody in the NFC appears beatable. So even though we're three and six, we've seen crazier shit happen at quarterback or at, with the team with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Run the table. Yes. Relax. Now you want to throw it away for a guy that this team wasn't willing to hitch its wagon to last year when yeah the opportunity arose. It just doesn't make sense. I, I think we ride out the year with Rodgers because throwing in Jordan Love is waving the white towel. And what kind of message does that send in the organization? Yep, I agree. Maybe later on in this year, it. I thought of it today too. It wouldn't be the worst thing if Rodgers had an injury the last month. That would be the best way to go about it. But Right. I agree. It, or, or if the thumb flares up, yes. like, okay, <laughs> set, set out oh, a week. It's really bad now. Right. But yeah, I don't know. 
We'll see. Either way, way too early to be talking about Jordan Love, but I'll tell you what it's not too early for. It's Kyle an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. All right. Is Kyle an idiot for the week? Billy, you are a very intelligent Packers fan. You know a lot about the team. I don't think we'll ever have a bigger uh, crater in a valley for what the questions were that I gave Andrew last week to what we will have this week. I think it's, and even with Kyle too, he's, he's a little younger, so I couldn't give him the real questions I want to. Not He hasn't dove into the history, so I hope you're ready for this week. Well, so the I, toughest I'm, slate I'm, of questions we've ever I'm going to apologize in advance to uh, Andrew and Kyle for uh, continuing to let this overall record here on success rate plummet on the year. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see here. Three questions for you, for you, Billy. Let's see. All right. With a three and six record, the Packers are feeling a lot like the 2005 Packers. 2005 was the breakout slash rookie year of our Lord and Savior Sam Congato. Who was in their sophomore season as a fullback for that team? Fullback back in 2005. Is it John Kuhn? Oh, no, no, sorry. It is not John Kuhn. John, I believe, signed the year later. This would also be uh, a little too late for one William Henderson. Do you have, would you happen to have a second guess? Vontae Leach. It is Vontae Leach. Yeah, very good. His second year. Uh, I was hoping he was the lead rusher. He was a big old boy. I remember... I still remember being at the Falcons-Packers preseason game in 2004 or 2005 and watching Favre throw a ball off of Vontaleach's hands in the flat. And I don't know why that stuck with me, but uh, wow. Okay, terrible start. Can't believe you don't know who <laughs> Leach is, who I doubt many listeners know right now. But I digress. Moving on, the second question here, Billy. Jeff Saturday is unsurprisingly the new head coach of the Indianapolis uh, Colts. Unsurprisingly? I got to throw in some jokes in there. He was the Packers center in 2012. Billy, who started 16 games at left tackle that season? 2012. You know, I'm asking you the question, so, you know, it's obviously going to be a little, you know, not maybe obvious, but who, who was starting at tackle in 2012 after the... That was the year... After we went 15-1, and one, correct? True. Uh, I'll give you a hint that this guy also started the majority of those games at left tackle in 2011. Marshall Newhouse. Yes, very good. The fifth-round pick, Marshall Newhouse out of TCU. He was a practice squad player pretty much all his rookie year, the Super Bowl year, but started all 16 games at left tackle of that 2020 kind of weird year in the Packers history coming off the 2011 season. Very good, Billy. And now your final question. Someone else returning. Mike McCarthy is returning to Green Bay this week. There are 10 coaches with ties to the Packers on his staff. Can you name three of them? Scott Tolzien is one. Yep. Oh, man. Let's see. So McCarthy said 10 yesterday. I only have a couple written down, but there's enough here where you could get three of them. Are they all former coaches or are they some players too? Three are former Green Bay Packers. 
one might be both, and three, well, one's kind of a outlier, but the other two big ones are coaches. Okay. So, like I said, Scott Tolzien. Still still correct. Scoots. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Scott Tolzien spin move. One of my favorite uh, obscure highlights, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, okay, I'm just trying to buy some time here. So, I'll give you a clue. Two of the coaches have the same first name. Is Marquand Manuel a head coach or a, an assistant coach? <sighs> you know, coach? I'll have to check, but I don't think he is. I'll I'll skip that one. Keep keep thinking. Okay. Okay, Billy, I'm going to start counting you down here. Five, four, three. Uh, two. let's see here. Um, here, I'll let. Okay, so I'll give you the last clue. The Campen, James Campen. No, God, no, you're right. Oh, you're wrong. The um, two coaches named Joe. Joe Philbin. And who's the other one? <laughs> Joe, Joe, Witt Ju- Joe Witt Jr. God, I wish Joe. it was Joe Barry. Joe Witt Jr., <laughs> the old secondary coach for the Packers. The other former players, Rob Davis and Al Rob Harris. Davis. Uh, yeah, I yeah. should have I should have known Al Harris. I know we've talked about it. Yeah, Al Harris, the secondary coach. Rob Davis is a weird... Um, I think he was, too, with the Packers. because He after was he director retired, of... Pro personnel, I think. Yeah, and he is the assistant head coach for the Cowboys right now. Wow. He's had a very interesting career. He was the Packers' long snapper for the longest time, worked for the Packers' front office, and once McCarthy left, he brought Rob Davis with him, which is a little strange. But, uh, yeah, either way, I guess, Billy, you showed your knowledge, if nothing else, on on those three questions. What is my stump Spenny question for the week? So, Spencer, as you're aware, the, the Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys are facing off at Lambeau Field this, this I Sunday did, afternoon. I did know this, yes. Uh, the Packers and Cowboys have played a total of 37 games in their storied rivalry. <laughs> oh, God, okay. Including playoffs. Okay. My question for you is, who leads the series? And how many wins do the Packers have? And I'll I'll let you get within two in either direction. Oh god! And give the give you the point. Man, thirty-seven games. Thirty-seven games. Cowboys founded in nineteen sixty-one, I believe. Yeah, I know. I looked, and in recent history, we've won like like eight of the last nine, almost like a quite a few of most recent history, but. I know in the 90s they had our number for the longest time. It wasn't until after getting past them where we knew we, we had a chance to win. We were terrible in the 70s and 80s. We were terrible in the 70s and 80s. Obviously, we had the Ice Bowl and everything. So, how many wins did the Packers have out of the 37? And who leads the series? <sighs> Fuck. I almost want to hedge. God. Because I feel like the Cowboys should have it. I'm going to head. Okay, this is dumb. I'm going to just hedge here. I'm going to say the Cowboys lead it, but I'm going to say the Packers have 25 wins. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're 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 incorrect on both. Okay. The okay. the Packers lead the series 20 games to 17. Oh, okay. Which surprise I I would have expected the Cowboys to be leading the series too. So yeah. for the Packers to have twenty wins was surprising to me. Yeah, I would just assume seventies, eighties, nineties is all right. Dallas at least until at least until we won the Super Bowl. Then I remember we played Dallas at Lambeau, beat them like forty five to seventeen, and it seemed like maybe that turned the tide. But God, yeah, 
And then the other turning the tide too, I saw this. I was cruise eBay looking for Packer shit. They are selling the game ball that was presented to Terrell Owens in that playoff game that he actually dropped. Against San Francisco? Yeah, the Packers. Oh, yeah, so. I'm still not over that game. Yeah. Speaking about, uh, I don't know, less than ideal games. Packers preview for the Cowboys game this Sunday, a 325 kickoff. Fox coverage. Once again, we have the Burkhart Greg Olson treatment. Packers are five point dogs at home. The over under is set at 42 and a half. The Dallas Cowboys are coming into Green Bay. What are you looking at me word for? Was that number order wrong? When's the last time we were a home dog of that margin? A while. I don't even want to know. We we keep getting so many different stats this year that are demoralizing. Like I don't even want to know <laughs> the, what the, it is. That at this was point. unfortunately my very first thought was Good Lord, I don't remember the last time we were a dog at home and number two, a dog by five. I never bet on Packer games, but seeing five points, I'm like, fuck, I, you know, unbiased opinion, I would I would take the five points. But uh, like I said, Cowboys six and two, a little surprising, especially after Dak Prescott got hurt early this year. I think we all thought there was a good chance Mike McCarthy might not even be the coach coming into this game, but he is. And before we dive in, Mike McCarthy obviously coming back. Billy, what are your thoughts on Mike McCarthy briefly here before we dive into the preview? Uh, I think that with with hindsight here, a couple of years have passed. I un- I appreciate that it was time to go. I don't think anybody would disagree with me on that. Mm-hmm. But I hope that we can all take a, a step back and recognize what he did with mm-hmm. the way that he helped resurrect Favre's career towards... Mm-hmm. Uh, his last couple of years in Green Bay, Favre threw 29 picks or whatever. One of his last couple of years got Favre to play in the system, had one of his best years in 2007. Yep. And seemed like he really um, got us moving right back in the right direction, got us the Super Bowl, obviously, kept us competitive, got us to the playoffs however many years in a row. And as I always it was say, like just eight. I think it was like seven or eight years in a row. Just give us a chance. I it, playoff football is just fluky. You need breaks. You need some luck. Just give us a chance. Has always been my, has been my mantra when it comes to the playoffs. And he did that yep. so well for so long. Yep. Said it earlier. I think the worst thing about him was sticking on with Dom Capers too long. But other other than that, great. I feel like if you could combine Mike McCarthy and Matt Lafleur. You have a really good head coach. I think Matt LaFleur, great offensive coordinator, knows foot more football stuff, but Mike McCarthy is a better leader of men, getting a message across. I said it to you earlier this year when we were going into the Bills game. I would f- feel better going into that game with Mike McCarthy, some onside surprise onside kicks, which we might even see on Sunday. Who knows? That type of shit. Always liked. Um, I'll say this too. I, I've said it on Twitter recently. The way we kicked him out of Green Bay is fucking terrible. It's one of the worst things Mark Murphy has done. Mike McCarthy absolutely had to go, but to fire him right after the Cardinals game when all you had to do was wait the 12 hours, fire him in the morning, let him talk to his team. The guy was the fucking coach for 13 years. You know, clean rip off the Band-Aid. Nothing's weird. Instead, we had this awkward shit where he came back like two days later, talked to his team for the last time, all this, all that, whatever bullshit for Russ Ball being involved, I still think, and pushing Mark Murphy to do that to embarrass McCarthy a little bit. And again, I think I said this story a couple of years ago, back when I was a railbird being 
15, 16 years old. I remember getting autographs, and it was 11 p.m., maybe midnight. Players' lock, uh, parking lot was empty. Me and a couple of the kids I was with were like, well, let's go to the other end where we know the coaches park. We're there for five seconds. An SUV pulls up, all tinted windows, no idea who it could be. We're only there for five, ten minutes. Rolls down the window. Hey, boys, and it's Mike McCarthy. Couldn't have been any nicer. Couldn't have been any cooler. Talked to us for five, ten minutes. Took pictures, autographs, talked to us about the team. Dude could have kept going, and we'd have no idea, but he... You know, never, never known what it, who it was, and never would have, never would have thought anything different because it's yes. eleven o'clock at night. Like the dude's just trying to go home. Yes, and we saw him get emotional yesterday too in his own presser. So I like Mike McCarthy. It was time to move on, but God, I hope he kicked their ass on Sunday. I I hope he gets a warm reception coming out of the tunnel on yep. Sunday afternoon. And then yes, God, I hope we get. I the think win. they'll do something with the jumbotron too. And it's it's weird where the team is at where. Going into this season, if the Packers were six and three and Dallas was three and six, which we probably closer to expected, I think he would get a pretty shitty reception. But now that we're going through this, I think fans are going to be like, oh, maybe you weren't so bad after all. But moving on to the preview of the game, uh, the Cowboys offense, pretty solid coming off a 29 to 49 win in Chicago with Dak Prescott as quarterback again. They are 14th in points per game, 13th in yards per rush. 15th in yards per pass, pass, so pretty pretty average all around. The defense is pretty damn good. Once again, Mike McCarthy leaves the Packers first. He hires his own buddy in Jim Mora, I believe, to be the defensive coordinator, but realizes that's wrong and takes, God, what's his name now? Dan Quinn. Dan who, Quinn. Who we had the opportunity to hire instead of Joe Barry. Yes. Well, no, we didn't. Ha- we had the opportunity to hire him instead of Mike Pettin. Okay. But we okay. held on to him, so we couldn't... Uh, Quinn and LaFleur worked together in uh, Atlanta. That's what it was. happened. So very smart move by McCarthy to hire him. The defense is third in points per game, only giving up 16.6. Tenth in yards per game. They have the most sacks in the league. They have the seventh most takeaways. They are third best in pass yards and 22nd in rush yards per game. So a little, a little weaker in the run game. On offense, Dak is back. Last week finished 21 for 27, 250 yards, two TDs, one pick but he hasn't had a great year. Tony Pollard, their lead back right now, is averaging 6.2 yards a carry. He has 560 yards on the season with five touchdowns. Zeke is still with the team, too, a 4.1 average with 443 yards, but he did not play last week. CeeDee Lamb is a pretty good receiver, 556 yards and three touchdowns on the season. Other than that, Schultz, their tight end, is solid. Had six receptions and 74 yards last week. So overall, all right. And once again, their defense, pretty solid. Micah Parsons in the running for defensive player of the year has eight sacks on the season. They have three other defensive ends with four or more sacks. And Trayvon Diggs has three picks just doing what he does, getting coached up by Al Harris. With that, Billy, what are your thoughts going into this football game? Well, it's cer- certainly an interesting matchup here. I mean, the the Cowboys... I think the Cowboys that we remember, you know, Tony Romo, Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. um, Ezekiel Austin. Elliott, Miles Austin, Des Bryant, like you were worried about their offense going down and scoring 30 points on you. you mm-hmm. We've had some some great shootouts with those guys, especially down in Dallas, the one in the, the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think this game is going to take on a little bit of a different tone. Um, obviously, our offense struggling. We've talked ad nauseum about that. The Cowboys offense doesn't really concern me too much. 
I, I came in thinking that they were one of the better rushing teams in the league because of that duo of Pollard and Zeke and yep. just haven't seen it. But their defense, as you pointed out, is strong. Not just Micah Parsons, who's all over the field, but they're getting pass rush from other folks. Yeah. And Diggs on the backside, I think it's going to be a low scoring. You know, I hope that, you know, this turns into a kind of game like we had in Buffalo where we just try and grind it out on the ground, keep us in it and hope that, you know, maybe we get a maybe we get a call to go our way late. Maybe we get a good bounce on on some fluky play. We're due a few of those. Just just have something go our way at the end that we're able to put it away. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, I would say that I am very fearful of their running backs. Pollard seems like a guy who could make just about any play into a touchdown. Kind of that we're around that same time of year as two years ago when Delvin Cook tore us up at Lambeau Field. You know, I can very easily see us losing this game with Dak Prescott only having 15 attempts and them sticking with the run, which would be ironic with it being Mike McCarthy sticking with, you know, the run game, specifically maybe even Pollard, the better of the two backs when, I mean, God, we keep seeing saying the mirrors of McCarthy and LaFleur. Once again, you know, we were like, God, McCarthy, can you give Aaron Jones the ball more? And it's been more of the same for us this year, but... uh yeah, I don't feel great about it, but I haven't felt great about much this year. So, Billy, what is your score prediction for this game? So I've gone back and forth, and even just through the course of the podcast here, coming in, I was thinking, we're going to lose by two touchdowns. But, you know, at, as we've kind of talked, I've started to realize that maybe this guy isn't falling as much. Rodgers played a terrible game against Detroit. I'm not refuting that. But I also just said I have the most confidence in him than True. I do LaFleur and Goody. Sad. So you know what? I'm going to take the exact same approach that I had going into the Buffalo game. I hope that this is a game where we try and grind them out. We know that our defense needs to try and keep us in it. Our offense is opportunistic. Um, maybe we get a short field. Uh-oh. Maybe special teams contribute something Don't do positive. This, this is too optimistic. I'm going to say... Everybody's counting us out. Oh, God. Green Bay, 24. Dallas, 21. Okay. That's a good score prediction. I had a very similar score prediction. God, I, you know, you're such a realist, Billy, that I was expecting you to take the, the Cowboys, and now I feel like I have to. Well, well, it's a Packers podcast. One of us has to be a homer here. Yeah, I guess. So, I don't know. I'm still really scared of this game. We keep waiting for this team to put it all together, like you said there. But, God, especially after losing to the Lions, I think we'll find out pretty quick how much life this team and what kind of vibe they're going to roll with. Absolutely. If we don't come back and have a better showing against Dallas after that performance, then it's going to be a much (laughs) different feeling. Which Andrew got on me last week when I was like, this game against the Lions, we have to win. And he was like, I thought you said that about the Commanders. I'm like, yeah, but... These, these last four games have been get-right games, yes. right? <laughs> so I'm going to go with a score of 24-17. to 17. I will pick the Dallas Cowboys to win. It just makes sense. They're favored to win by five. I think McCarthy might actually, I think, once again, you know, he's a good leader. I don't know what he does week in and week out. He's got Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator, Quinn as his right. defensive coordinator. I don't know how much he actually does, but maybe he gets his nose in the game planning this week and we see some type of surprise onside kick or some other shit just to 
assure the win for his side. But yes, I have the Cowboys winning 24 to 17. Billy, what is your bold prediction? So I'm going to harken back to another comment that I made earlier. Oh, no. I I like Samari Toure. Okay. He's gotten some run here. Like I said earlier, four targets each of the last two games. Had that touchdown against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He seems to be able to get open deep. Mm-hmm. And you called that throw to him against Detroit a YOLO throw, mm-hmm. showing that he has some faith in him. So... I don't know if I'm the only person on the Samari Toure bandwagon. Eh, a lot of people like him. But maybe I'm the conductor right now. Ooh, choo-choo, the NES Express. I'm going to say Samari Toure, five catches, 100-plus yards, and a touchdown. Okay, very good. I like that bold prediction. I like how you're using a player for it. Sometimes Andrew just goes with general like offense, defense, which is fine. But I like that, and I think I think there's there's definitely more on the Toure Express than the NES Express right now. It, I saw last week, too, like Aaron Nagler saying that I, he didn't understand why the Packers didn't re-sign MVS. And I'm like, for 10 mil has, per... Has anybody been clamoring for him? What has he done in Kansas City? Right. I I agree. I don't know either. But my bold prediction for the week, going out there, you know, Rashawn Gary's going to be out towards ACL. We're going to see more of JJ and Preston. And God, Jonathan Garvin, you watch the replays. He does not look good whatsoever. I'm going to give a shout out to our boy who still follows us on Twitter, which you can too, Pimpy Pod. I have Ladarius Hamilton getting called up. He might not even be on the roster on Sunday, but I have him getting a sack on Sunday. A lot of people don't even know who he is. I believe he's still number 54, but my bold predict- prediction is Ladarius Hamilton. Not Zadarius, but Ladarius getting a sack on Sunday against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. But with that... Everyone's favorite part of the episode. If you could please leave a five-star rating, that would be cool. Spotify or Apple or whatever else, if they have that, I don't care. Maybe just even on Facebook, just say this podcast is really good. I don't care. Any type of review, take a screenshot, send it to us at pmppodcast uh, at gmail.com or DM it to us on Twitter at pmppod, and we will send you one free koozie. Or, you know, if you just want one, just ask and we'll send you one. But, uh, you know, we're getting to the holidays season, kind of. We're getting the Christmas music. There's a free present for you. But with that, Billy, you know, we've talked a lot this episode. I really don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? No, thanks for having me, Spencer. A lot of fun. Go Pack. There we go. Well, with that, Eric Koskinen, please don't sue us. I quit my job. Yeah, it just won't pay. Worked all year, I worked all month, then they took my money away. Hello, hello, I'm recording. William, hello. Good evening. Okay, good. It's working. Um, hold it. Like, this is too far away. I always try to keep it like, yeah. Something like, like this? I don't think you can really be too close. And I don't know, I try to keep it. Okay. Yeah,
Uh, William, we're in your house. Uh, you bought this house this year. How is it? How is it being a homeowner? Uh, home ownership is good. Um, quiet neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I have a gaggle of wild turkeys that like to frequent my yard, which is a little frustrating. But do they cause damage? Uh, not in my yard, but at least in my neighbor, they've uh, kind of dug up the grass there next to his uh, next to his tree, and they like to kind of roost down there when okay. it's hot out. So okay. I try to chase them out of my yard, but nobody else seems to really care. So maybe I'm just the new guy on the block. How many turkeys are there? Oh my God! There was one day I was sitting sitting in my office looking out on the backyard, and I saw like nine or ten of them just come <laughs> through the backyard walk between the house and the garage just strutting their way out to the street like they Hell own yeah. the place so and then you chase them away like a madman i did yes do you have a weapon a broom or no you, you from what i've read is you just kind of go out there and you you yell at them and <laughs> you make a bunch of noise and make yourself seem bigger so you look like a threat ah so. yes like if you're getting chased by a bear right you know you know got to use my six foot wingspan really intimidate them a yes, little bit there you go. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.